Well, tonight uh, we come to the second in our series of talks uh, on words for life, and we're asking the question, how does God speak today? How does God speak today? And as I thought about this question this week, I was reminded of a, of a time a few years ago, I think it was the year 2008, uh, I was uh, doing scripture teaching, actually, at, down at Woolaway High in the Shire, and uh, back in those days, it, it wasn't where we had kind of paid you know, scripture teachers in most schools, so as a bunch of volunteers. And it just happened to be that at this, this school where I was teaching scripture, uh, there were kind of two big groups of people. There was a whole bunch of uh, my friends and people I knew from a couple of the Anglican churches down in the, in the lower kind of eastern part of the Shire, and there was a bunch of people from charismatic churches teaching as well. And we used to get together at the start of each uh, day and pray together. And, uh, and very quickly for me, I think I was 18 at the time, something like that, uh, 19, I realized that there was a huge difference in what these two groups of people believed. I still remember the time, it was my first day, uh, one of the guys from the charismatic church was running the prayer meeting and he said, okay, let's all pray. And uh, I expected by all pray, he just meant that he was going to lead us in prayer. But then everybody just started kind of praying over the top of each other, getting louder and louder. I was this young kid, you know, straight 180, grew up in an Anglican church. I was freaking out, man. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> Where's the confession? Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was this moment of like, this is really different. And, uh, and it, it, it kind of got really rammed home the difference for me uh, a few months later, where I was talking to one of the pastors of, of one of the churches, and he told me that he'd had a word from God that morning. Genuinely, I assumed he meant he'd been doing his like daily Bible reading. That's what I thought he meant. What he actually meant was that he'd had an audible word from God as he was uh, driving to work that morning. He'd heard God tell him something to do. And this totally shocked me. I think I had ever heard that idea before up until this point in my life. And I had no idea what to do about it. At that point, uh, the minister who from my church came over and uh, they, they started having a conversation about uh, whether there are fresh revelations from God or not. And, and that kind of, you know, kind of, you know, in that gentle way that Christians argue about kind of going at each other. It's kind of like that. And, uh, and I just remember thinking, man, I don't know what to make of this. I was kind of fascinated with this idea. And it kind of got me thinking as a young man, how does God speak to us? And I'm sure you've had different moments in your life where you've met people from different places, maybe different faith backgrounds, uh, maybe you yourself, and they've told you stories about things that have happened. And it's made you wonder, how does God speak today? What should we expect from God? Should we expect kind of audible voices from God in our lives? Uh, should we uh, expect just complete radio silence? What should we expect uh, when it comes to God speaking to us? That's kind of where we're going to go uh, over the course of our night tonight. If you remember from last week, what we looked at as we kind of delved into week one was thinking that uh, we can know God because God has revealed himself to us. He's revealed himself to us fully and finally in the person of Jesus, and we find Jesus where? In the scriptures. And then that is a very a classic, long-held belief uh, of Christians throughout the centuries. But I, if I'm honest with you, that view does sometimes come under criticism. People will say, well, the Bible, like, it was just written by people a really long time ago. And sure, they've got their opinions, but it's not really God speaking. That's what people genuinely think. 
Uh, other people will criticize it and say, sure, the Bible you know, is good and helpful, but it was kind of God's word back then to those people. It's not really God's word for us today. God has fresh new messages for us. And so I want to push into those critiques a little bit. That's my goal. I don't want to hide from the different opinions out there. There's always different uh, views on different things. I want us to kind of explore them, have a look at what the Bible says about itself and uh, see where we end up. So that's kind of where we're going. I'm going to hopefully uh, show you two big truths about the Bible, which gives us one nice answer at the end. Two big truths, one nice answer. How does God speak today? Well, let's jump into it. Uh, As we jump in, uh, the first thing that I want to show us as we look at uh, the Bible is, this is going to sound just like absolute 101, heard this from when you were five, but I want to remind you that the Bible is God's word for us. Okay, the Bible is God's word. And again, like I said, you've probably heard that like a thousand times, but that's a crazy statement. Okay, it's a revolutionary idea that the Bible is God's word. See, the Bible doesn't just contain ideas about God. The Bible doesn't just contain people's opinions of God. And the Bible doesn't even become God's word through some special process. No, the Bible itself is the very words of God. How do we know that? Well, we know it uh, from a couple of places in the Bible, but the place I want to take you uh, is in uh, 2 Timothy. It's going to come up on the screen behind me. I'm going to read it out for you. This is what uh, 2 Timothy uh, 3.16 says. This is you know, almost as famous as Bible verses get, but here we go. Here's what it says. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. Okay, you notice it there? First line, all Scripture is inspired by God. That word inspired is quite interesting. I wonder what kind of initially comes to your mind when I say the word inspired. I think for many of us, when we think about uh, inspired, we might think about something like Pinterest or something like that, where you kind of, you know, you get uh, kind of inspo from something. You go to someone's house and you see how they've done their like kids' playroom in a really cool different way. And then you go home and you do your own version of it. Or you walk through Hazelhurst Art Gallery and you see the beautiful watercolors and you think, yeah, I should get out my watercolors. And you go home and you paint a terrible copy of what you saw in the art gallery, right? That's how we think about the word inspired. It's where something gives us almost like a launching pad to do our own thing. And so when we read this verse, I think we can be confused sometimes because we can import our version of inspired into this Bible verse. And we almost think, okay, it's like kind of God gave the authors of the Bible kind of some inspo. He gave them like a a vague idea and then they ran with it. But that's not at all what the word inspired means here. Uh, This is a fairly traditional uh, translation, uh, the word inspired. It comes from the Vulgate, which is the Latin uh, first translation of the Bible. And it's usually translated a little bit differently. I don't often do this, but I want to give you a bit of Greek uh, because I think it's helpful. So uh, this is the Greek word that's behind it, theopneustos. And as often is the case in Greek, uh, Greek is combining two different Greek words there to make one. Um, we'll get, I'll show you the two different ones. It's combining the word uh, theo, which means God, and the word pneuma, which means breath or spirit. And so what the word means, if you kind of look at it in detail, is breathed out by God. That's what it means. So often 
uh, in translations will translate it something like God breathed. Okay, and that is kind of what inspired is getting at, spirated, uh, but uh, it kind of gets us a little bit confused sometimes. So if we plug that back into our verse, what it's telling us is that all of the scriptures find their origin, their source in God. And God, through his Holy Spirit, brings those ideas and he gives them to the authors of scripture. Okay, that's the point. It's not just inspiration for them to run with. He's giving them the very words of God, which they write down for us. All scripture is God-breathed. Uh, there's an uh, old theologian, a guy called B.B. Warfield, who, if you want to do some extra reading on the doctrine of scripture, which is what we're talking about, uh, there's almost no one better than a guy called B.B. Warfield. These days, because he's so old, uh, you can pretty much get everything he wrote online for free. So look up B.B. Warfield if you want. Anyway, that was an excursus to say. He has a helpful line which says, What scripture says, God says. What scripture says, God says. See the point he's making? There's no gap between what the Bible says and what God has to say to us. And before we move on, uh, if we look back actually, if it's okay, to that uh, verse from 2 Timothy, notice what it says. The first word here is actually pivotal, isn't it? He says, all scripture. He doesn't say the bits of scripture that we like. He doesn't say the bits of scripture that fit with our modern views. He says, all scripture. And I think this is fundamentally important because throughout pretty much all time, people have been willing to pick and choose the bits of the Bible which they like and want to uphold and want to treat as God's word and the bits that they don't like. And it kind of changes depending on the mood of the day. Right now, you know, the bits of the Bible that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote are not so in vogue. People don't like Paul. I often hear that. They like Jesus. We don't like Paul, we like Jesus. We particularly don't like Paul and what he has to say about anything to do with sexual ethics. We kind of want to just squish it. (laughs) But we can't do that, actually. We can wrestle with it. We can find some of the ideas harder and easier in the Bible but all scripture finds its origin, its source in God. It's all his word, and it's all his good word because he is good. Okay, so what do we get? Well, we learn, first big thing, the Bible is the very words of God. And so what we're trying to do here is avoid the end of the spectrum that says the Bible is just a human book. But we also have to be careful of the other end of the spectrum, which almost views the Bible and the authors of the Bible like they were, you know, almost just like empty vessels that God kind of just like spoke through them and they just kind (laughs) of did this, uh, wrote it all out. That's not what we get. And we know that uh, from lots of places, but 2 Peter chapter 1 is particularly helpful. Uh, It's on the screen for you. I'll read it out. We also have the prophetic words strongly confirmed and you will do well to pay attention to it. It is a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns. And the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you know this. No no prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation. Because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Is a really uh, helpful word because what it reminds us is that although the Bible is finds its source and origin in God, there is a dual authorship in the Bible. The human authors are involved. And the way that they're involved is through that word carried along. The word carried along there 
means kind of born or produced. It has the sense of a settled and decided outcome before it all began. And so how this works is, what we know is that the spirit is slowly but surely preparing these authors throughout their whole life, their experiences, their skills, their intellect, their training, and he produces in and through them the scriptures, which takes into account who they are. You have noticed this as you read through the Bible, particularly in the New Testament. Each of the you know, books of the Bible has its own certain flavor, doesn't it? Like when you read Paul, uh, any of his letters, like take you know, Romans, for instance, it's, there's like lots of propositions after proposition after proposition. It's full of logic and conclusions and fors and therefores. It's kind of like this very logical structure. Where you read John, and it's completely different, right? Now, John was a fisherman where Paul was a Pharisee. So Paul trained in like kind of legal speak. John, not at all. He's like a fisherman. I can just imagine it, right? When you read his letters, he'll start talking about something, and then it's like he gets distracted and starts talking about something else, and then he goes back and talks about the other thing. I can just imagine sitting with him on a boat, and he's talking about something, and sees a fish, and it reminds him to think about something else, and then sees another guy he knows, and it's got his own flavor to it. And so each of them, although they find their origin and their source in God, they each have their own flavor. They're brought to us through humans, and the Spirit is taking their whole lives, using it to prepare them to bring the Word to us. And so, what do we get? Well, when we put these two ideas together, we see that the Bible, the thing that we hold in our hands each day, is God speaking. It really is. This is God speaking to you. When you read it, you're not reading just people's opinions. You're reading the very words of God. And of course, we know that when God speaks, things happen, don't they? When God speaks, things happen. Think about uh, what happens in Genesis. God speaks and the world is made. God's word is powerful. And that's the second big truth that I want us to think about uh, tonight. The Bible is living and active. When God speaks, things happen. And, uh, and the key verse for us as we think about this is found in Hebrews chapter 4. It's going to come up on the screen and uh, I'm going to read this out. After I finish reading it out, I'm actually going to get you guys to do a little bit of work on your own with the person next to you. I'm going to get you to think about uh, what a few things in this uh, section mean. So pay attention as I read it, because in a minute, the person next to you is going to ask you about it. Okay? So here we go. For the word of God is living and effective, and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Okay, famous words. You would have heard them before, but they're the kind of words that often we don't stop and dwell and think about, particularly these three ideas at the start. God's word is living. God's word is effective. God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, with the person next to you, pick one of those three descriptors and just talk about what you actually think that means about the Bible that you hold in your hands. Take a minute, have a think, and I'll call you back in a second. Okay, I'll call you back, I'll call you back. I would have, I'd love to hear your ideas, actually, but uh, we don't really have time for it tonight. But um, what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through them one at a time, and I'm just going to give you a really short snapshot of what that word means and how it impacts our understanding of the Bible. If you want to think more about that, 
come and find me afterwards. Uh, I'm always standing up the back, usually by myself. Uh, so come and talk to me, say hello, ask me a question. You don't have to, that's uh, fine. Uh, but let's think, about, let's think about the three. Okay, first one. Uh, the Word of God is living. I think this is interesting, this one. Because I think it makes the least sense when you first read it. What does it mean that the Word of God is living? What it means is that when you read the Bible, God is personally present with you. That's what it means. God is personally present with you. Because the author of the Bible is God and he's alive this day and he has given us his word through his spirit, it means when you read it, God is there. And I think that uh, is amazing. Every time you encounter, you read the Bible, you don't just encounter words on a page, you encounter the living God. God lives in and through his word. And so the Bible is a God encounter, which is very cool. Okay, the Bible is a God encounter. And, uh, and it's good for us to slow down and think about that every time we open it. Actually, you're encountering uh, the very person of God in the pages of Scripture. That's the first one. Uh, living. The next one is effective. This is also just a really powerful idea. Because we know that the Bible comes to us through the Spirit, and when God speaks, things happen, we know that when we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit is working in us. He's producing a result. Whenever God's word goes out, it never returns empty. That's what uh, the Bible says. It never returns empty. It's always doing a thing. So when you read the Bible, uh, God, through his spirit, is correcting you. He's teaching you. He's convicting you of sin. He's rebuking you. He's encouraging you. He's comforting you. He's doing what he said he will do. Sometimes he's doing just one of those things. Sometimes he's doing all of those things. So the Bible is doing a thing. In fact, the, the Bible is the primary way that the Spirit does his work in the world. Okay? It's the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And so it's doing a thing. It's effective in your life. Finally, uh, the Bible is sharper than a double-edged sword. This one changes orientation a little bit. It reminds us that uh, when you read the Bible, not only does it show us things about God... Actually, the, the mirror kind of gets flipped back on us as well. It says it penetrates us. It reveals us to ourselves. That's why reading the Bible can be an awfully confronting experience, can't it? Because if you read it properly, <laughs> it's just exposing you all the time. It's exposing your heart. It, it's showing you things that you sometimes don't love about yourself. It, it's showing you things that you kind of know but try to push down. See, the Bible is sharper than a double-edged sword. It won't let you go. It follows you. <laughs> it opens you up. It exposes you. It, and that's a good thing, actually, because it shows you who you're meant to be, truly, and it shows you ways to change. Friends, Bible reading is a dangerous game, in a good way, because when God's Word goes out, it does something in all of our lives. So the second great truth is, the Bible is living and active. It's like no other book on the planet. It changes us. So, if we put those two ideas together, if we get this idea that the Bible is actually the very words of God, the God who made the world, and that the Bible is living and active, what we see is that God does still speak to us today. He does. 
He speaks to us by his word, because this is his word, through his spirit. The Bible is amazing because it's God's actual words for you each day. So every time you're in a Bible study and you open the Bible, every time you're driving to work and you're listening to an audio Bible, every time you're listening to someone preach and teach from the Bible, every time you're sitting at your breakfast table with your kids reading the Bible, the God of the universe is sitting there and he's yelling at you, here's who you are, here's how you need to be, here's how much I love you. And he's not just giving you an inspirational message. His spirit is there working in your heart doing its work. And sometimes we can't see that or feel that, right? It doesn't quite work like that. Uh, it's kind of like when you, when you go to the gym, at least I comfort myself about this when I go to the gym, is that it doesn't instantly produce results every time you attend the gym, okay? But over a long time, it works. And the same works with God's word. It's a slow process of changing us and shaping us and molding us over time. So friends, when you hear the Bible read, there's a sense in which we should come to it with a little bit of fear and trembling, a little bit of awe, a little bit of, you know, take our breath away kind of moment. We can make the Bible pretty mundane, can't we? We can water it down. It's just another thing for us to read and move on from. But it's so much more than that. Okay, well, uh, before we finish, I want to give us three uh, quick things that this makes us think and work into our our day-to-day lives three ways this lands uh, for us. So if we flip to the next slide for me. The first one is that we cannot separate word from spirit and spirit from word. Okay? And what I mean by this is, uh, over time, I think people have pulled apart God's word and God's spirit. But the Bible never does that, actually. The Bible always shows they intimately work together. We see this really clearly in 1 Thessalonians. Do I have 1 Thessalonians? I do. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 and 5. I think this is a wild Bible verse. This is so helpful. And here's what it says. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, here's the important bit, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Do you notice that? Word and spirit, they just go together all the time. It's like hand in glove. You can't almost separate the two. They go together. So often in life, uh, it's easy to fall into one of two camps. The kind of spirit people and the word people. And those are both crazy ideas. I mean, it's crazy if you think that you could understand or meet or know the God of the world outside of the Bible. If you're a spirit person, you think it's just all spirit, the Bible doesn't matter, it's an old book. That just is simply crazy. But equally, it is ridiculous to think that you could understand God without the Spirit, (laughs) that you could kind of intellectualize the Bible and have some kind of knowledge of God outside of His Spirit illuminating your mind and bringing you truth. That's crazy, okay? We shouldn't be word people or, or spirit people. We're spirit and word people. They go together. We understand the Word through the Spirit, and the Spirit works through the Word. That's our first one. Our second one is on the screen. Uh, And this kind of follows logically from what we just talked about. But it's good to remember that we shouldn't expect or seek God's voice outside of Scripture. We shouldn't expect or seek God's voice outside of Scripture. This is maybe slightly punchy, but I think it's important for us. Nowhere in the Bible 
is there a promise that we will hear God speak to us outside of his word? Nowhere. We just don't see it. And God, of course, can do that. Okay? He can. He can speak to people in dreams. He can give people an audible word. But that is absolutely not the normal pattern of God speaking in his world today. And so the word expect there is really important. We shouldn't expect that. And partly we shouldn't expect that because when we do that, we actually limit the Bible is what we do. (laughs) We make the Bible almost not enough. The Bible is weak or or limited in some way. No, no, the Bible is marvelous. And if you open it, God will speak to you. Don't, Don't look for these extraordinary things that sometimes occasionally happen. No, look to the way that God always promises to to speak to us, which is through his word. He can speak outside of his kind of written word, but that is abnormal and shouldn't be expected. And sometimes God will lead us in certain directions. I'm not trying to dispute that in any way at all. That's number two. Okay, number three, because I need to wrap up. Uh, God's word is a better word for our world. God's word is a better word for our world. I reckon uh, in our world today, there are just so many uh, difficult things, aren't there? And the reality is, we see this in all sorts of ways. We see it uh, by the sheer amount of self-help books, you know, on the top 10 at Dimmicks. Uh, we see it by the almost ridiculous amount of, like, inspirational posts you see on social media, stuff like that, things that just give you a little perk up. And often these things are really helpful for us. Uh, there's often great truths that we can discern and read and learn from uh, self-help books, from Uh, things that non-believers have written about life that help us cope with the challenges, that help us work through problems. But I want to remind you that those books, those little inspirational posts, even though they're helpful for us, uh, right now I'm reading The Resilience Project by a guy called Hugh Van Kunzberg. It's really helpful. We recommend it. But that's not God's word, actually. And it can never replace God's word. And the reason is that all of these books, these little inspirational messages, they're all written by humans who have a limited perspective, who have a limited intellect, and who are weak and frail. It's no coincidence that no one's reading the self-help books of the 1960s anymore. Because they run out of time, isn't it? Now, they're good and useful and helpful, but their help has a limit. But think about how different God is. He's an unchanging God. He's the God of the universe. He's the God who made us and knows us. He's the God who has no limits, no beginning and no end. And so his word, it never goes out of date. I find it crazy when I read the Proverbs written thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago and I'm like, he's talking about me. He knows me. (laughs) See, the Bible is always relevant. It's always timely and it's the better word for us. I don't worry about that. That was from before. Uh, So my encouragement is, seek the good things in those books. Please don't hear me trying to pull them down. But do remember, God's word is the better word. What you really need is God's word, because it will give you a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger picture of God. And that's what we need more than anything else. Well, we need to wrap this up. But as we pull all these ideas together, what I'm trying to help us see today is that God is still speaking. In fact, he just spoke to you. And he just does that every time you open the Bible. And I think that's remarkable. So don't minimize the Bible as a book for yesteryear with ideas that may or may not be good. 
I'm here reminded that the God of the universe speaks to you every time you need it. And so when you are looking for help, you want to draw near to God, you want to know what God thinks, open your Bibles and be amazed. God speaks, and he speaks today. Amen.